0: Chapter One, of Tom Playfair, or Making a Start, by Francis J. Finn, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Teresa. Chapter One, in which the hero of the story is represented in a doubtful light. Tommy, no answer. Tommy, do you hear me? Get up this moment, sir. Do you think this house is a hotel? Everyone's at breakfast except yourself. Miss Meadow, Tom Playfair's maternal aunt, stood without the door of Master Playfair's sleeping apartment. She paused for a moment, partly to gain her breath, having come up three pairs of stairs to arouse Tom, and partly to await some reply from our sleeping hero. The silence, however, was simply emphasized by the ticking of the great clock in the hall. Tommy, she resumed at length in a higher key. Do you hear me? her strained ears caught the dull sound as of some one turning lazily in his bed now you're awake sir jump right up and dress for your breakfast shoo scat came a yawning voice from the room dear me cried poor miss meadow the boy doesn't mind me in the least what's the trouble jane queried mr playfair who just then issued from his room i can't get that tommy out of bed he's growing worse every day george last week he was late for school five times i'll fix that jane said mr playfair and he took one step toward tom's sleeping room when the door of that apartment opened a few inches discovering a young face peering anxiously from beneath a mass of tangled hair pa said the apparition i'm dressing just as fast as i know how i heard you auntie and i'm coming right away then the door closed tom it must be explained had been composing himself for another nap when the whispered dialogue between his aunt and his father had brought him out of bed with most unwanted celerity the wily lad deemed it best not to wait for an order from his father hence the apparition if you are not at the breakfast-table in two minutes sir you shall hear from me and with these sternly delivered words mr playfair conducted miss meadow to breakfast Little more than a minute later, a stout, healthy, dark-complexioned lad of ten emerged from his room, ready and eager for the labor and heat of the day. His rosy face and jet-black hair gave token to a hasty toilet. His shoes were partially buttoned, his sturdy legs were encased in a pair of bright red stockings and rather tight knickerbockers, and his chubby cheeks wore an air of serenity which, coupled with his naturally handsome features, made him a pleasing sight to all lovers of the genuine American boy." hastily descending the steps, which he did by taking from three to four steps at a bound, Tom very quickly presented himself in the dining-room, and ignoring the presence of the cat, in the teasing of which he spent a considerable portion of his valuable time, he seated himself at table and fell to with great good will. But trouble was brewing. Besides Mr. Playfair and Miss Meadow, there was at table a young man, a brother to Tom's aunt and the bane of our hero's life. Mr. Charles Meadow was not a bad young man, but he had, despite his negative good quality, a large and constantly increasing stock of small faults, one of which was an inordinate delight in teasing and browbeating Tom. It is fair to say, however, that in the indulgence of this fault, Mr. Meadow did not always come off with flying colors. Tom contrived to gain a victory now and then, and thus added a zest to the domestic war, which would otherwise have been too one-sided to be interesting." Strangely enough, Mr. Playfair held himself, in general, strictly neutral, and it was only when the campaign gave signs of unusual bitterness that he felt himself called upon to interfere. On the present occasion, young Mr. Meadow had been awaiting with ill-concealed anxiety Tom's appearance. "'Oh, so here you are at last, are you?' he began, as Tom seated himself at the table. In the tranquility of a healthy appetite applied to its proper purpose, Tom ignored the enemy's hostile flag. "'Look here, young man,' continued Mr. Meadow, "Were you at my room again last night.' "'How could a fellow get in your old room when you had it locked?' queried Tom, with a virtuous indignation. "'Never mind the how, but did you go into my room last night?' "'Say, Aunt Jane, please put a little more sugar in this coffee. You never do give me enough.' "'What I want to know,' pursued the unrelenting uncle, "'is whether you went into my room last night.' If you stayed at home and went to bed early instead of running round the town nights, answered Tom, still desirous of shifting the battleground, you wouldn't be asking such questions. At this moment, Mary, the cook, entered the dining room with a plate of pancakes. If Tom had a preference, it was for this dish. Whoop! he cried, and his eyes glistened. A smile of triumph passed over Mr. Meadows' countenance, just as Tom was about to help himself liberally to the food of his preference. His persecutor took possession of the plate, and having helped Mr. Playfair and Miss Meadow to several cakes, he placed the rest upon his own plate. Tom waxed angry. "'Oh, you think you're funny, don't you? Maybe you don't use hair dye for that straw-colored mustache of yours. I spelled it on a big bottle.' Mr. Playfair smiled. Miss Meadow tittered. Mr. Meadow blushed deeply. Recovering himself, he returned to the charge. "'Aha!' he cried, directing his forefinger at Tom. "'So you have been in my room!' "'It was Tom's turn to blush, but he was fairly caught. "'How did you get in, sir?' continued Mr. Meadow, pursuing his advantage. "'Buttonhook,' answered Tom, with the falling inflection. "'Exactly. That's just what I thought, "'and that's just the way you ruined the lock of the pantry last week.' Mr. Playfair's face took on an air of concern. He glanced severely at the culprit, well drawled tom i guess it isn't fair to lock up ripe apples they don't give a fellow any show in this house tommy an electric shock seemed to convulse our little pantry burglar at the low stern tones of his father's voice tommy have you been forcing locks with a button-hook again the roses in tom's cheeks grew out of all bounds till the roots of his hair were stirred he dropped his knife and fork and with a despairing expression hung his head this is getting too bad mr playfair continued i don't like to say it but such conduct is more fit for a young thief than for a little boy whom his father wishes to make a gentleman at the word thief there was a subdued boo-hoo followed by the sound of heavy breathing you may well cry sir pursued the parent for you have every reason to be ashamed of yourself i j- just did it for fun he sobbed oh you're exceedingly funny broke in mr meadow with infinite sarcasm this last remark filled his cup of sorrow to overflowing stifling an insipid sob and muttering that he didn't want no breakfast he departed into the welcome solitude of the hall the word thief still rang in his ears and sigh upon sigh bursting at short intervals from his passion racked bosom testified his appreciation of the term Presently, Mr. Meadow, on his way downtown, where he held the honorable position of assistant bookkeeper in a St. Louis hardware store, issued from the dining room. At the sight of him, Tom's grief hardened into the sterner form of anger. "'You'll pay for this, Mr. Giveaway,' he muttered, shaking a diminutive fist at Mr. Meadow. "'I'm going to see Miss Larkin today. I will, I will, and I'll just tell her all the mean things you say to me, how your moustaches died. See if I don't. I'll spoil your chances there. Mr. Meadow, who had a soft spot in his heart, devoted almost exclusively to said Miss Larkin, was taken back not a little at this threat. You young scampy, roared with more earnestness than dignity, if you go near the young lady with any of your wretched stories, I'll give you a cow hiding. Ugh, you give away, cried Tom with ineffable disgust. So, sir, that's the language you use to your uncle said Mr. Playfair, who, as he opened the dining-room door, had caught these words. "'Go up to your room, sir, and don't leave it till nine o'clock.' "'Jane,' he continued, looking into the dining-room, "'please tell Tommy when it is is Mr. Playfair left the house with a stern cast of countenance. Tom was scarcely five when his mother died. The boy was good, but the want of a mother's care and refining influence was very evident." Then, too, Mr. Playfair reflected, the child stood in great danger of having his disposition ruined. Petted by Miss Meadow, he was growing selfish. Teased by Mr. Meadow, he was becoming bold. Yes, he muttered, I shall have to take some decisive step, or the boy will be spoiled. End of chapter 1 Recording by Maria Therese